Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. We've been gone for a little while. Yeah, um... (laughs) Um, sorry. <laughs> this is, is mostly my fault, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, some uh, personal things have been happening with me, and I have been dealing with that. Um, yeah. Uh, family stuff. Um, uh, it's not it's all resolved, but we have been away for a bit too long and oh and we've been we've been trying to sort out how to record but we're just yes. about to go into the holiday season as well you've just had thanksgiving yes, yes. yeah and unfortunately yeah. for anyone who's not in america there's a lot of holidays in the us at the end of the year and one yes. of them happens to be thanksgiving and between holidays and everything i've been dealing with at work since we have new hires and there's all sorts of extra training i just haven't really had a chance to record solo either um, other than the couple of episodes I had already done solo while Russ was dealing with all his family stuff. So we apologize yeah. for being gone longer than we intended. Uh, and now we're back with a whole new episode. Yes, uh, we're going to try and not be away for uh, like two months again. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Uh, honestly, though, uh, I've got to say uh, the the two months that, or maybe like one month and a half, like however long it's been, Mm-hmm. Uh, that has both felt like three, four months, and also like a week at the same time. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a little ridiculous um, how sort of quick this year has sort of flown by. But I would agree. Yeah, um, I've also been organising a wedding, which is you know that's a that's a that's a nice side of things. Yes, that's a um, that's a that, good thing yeah. that's happening that I'm very excited about yeah. for you. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's like a sandwich of uh, both good and bad, but. We we we, pers- we persevere and we carry on and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, uh, yeah that that's that. So, but that's that's not important for the episode we're going to be talking about. Oh, well, the topic we're going to be talking about, uh, which is something that you suggested on the assumption that you would mm-hmm. that you thought I would know about it. Well, I mean, I I assumed you would know at least a little bit about it because it is British military history. Turns out I was incorrect and Russ yeah. didn't really know anything about it. So for um, um I, 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 oops. Oh, go ahead. No, you I was just going to say I had heard of the charge of the Light Brigade, which is what we're going to be covering today. Um, but even though I took elective history in in high school and like um which would it would also be your high school because it'd be the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was never covered, and we did military history. We covered uh, the world wars and everything like that. This was just missed, so I don't really know why. But um, I mean, I, I've looked. There's the whole, you know, the victors write the history books thing. I it suppose would that's fair. Not surprise me if this is one of those subjects that they don't love covering in depth. Because it, it, when they're talking about the Crimean War, because it was such a big mess up. Um, uh, yes, it, and it was an absolute mess up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah and major. I'm sorry, I interrupted when you were about to say, what, what were you about to say? Oh, I was just going to talk about how we were going to cover Charge of the Light Brigade. For anyone who is not familiar with it, um, which is, I think, probably going to be most people. So yeah. the the Charge of the Light Brigade 
specifically refers to a event that happened during the Crimean War. Uh, specifically, I believe it was the Battle of Balaclava. Yes, the Battle yes. of Balaclava specifically. And um, I, if I'm remembering correctly, the majority of our listeners are American. So to give you guys an, an equivalent idea of how big a military mess up this really was, it is on par with Custer's last stand. The only difference is yeah, that, that there were more survivors. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I was just thinking, yes, that's that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, in, um, in terms of both what happened and also the stupidity behind such an action, it is a, quite equivalent to Custer's Last Stand. Because Custer's Last Stand, they did something very similar, where a bunch of people charged in when they really shouldn't have. <laughs> Yeah, uh, which, yeah, I think we should actually, you know, like to start with that. Uh, yes, uh, the Charge of the Light Brigade, uh, like Brigade, uh, as they sort of said in the name, is a uh, a full, full, full uh, assault uh, on horseback and light infantry mm-hmm. with more melee weapons. But uh, as you know, on horseback, it's a bit difficult to, to be using a, a, a rifle. Yeah, they had sure, sabers. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they probably had pistols as well. But anyway, uh, this was uh, the 25th of October, 1854, mm-hmm. uh, which is when the rest of the Battle of, of uh, Balaclava happened. Um, and what this was, it was, uh, it was, it was a failed military action, which we've obviously talked about, and it was intended to send uh, the group known as the Light Brigade, which is about 600 uh, or so soldiers, to prevent Russians from removing captured. Uh, uh, artillery uh, from overrun uh, Turkish uh, positions, and uh, they were there. So they were there to stop uh, movement of goods. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, the the plan was miscommunicated by some form of the chain of command uh, who was actually responsible. Is still up for debate, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. And the light brigade was instead sent on a full frontal assault against a completely different artillery battery, which was all prepared and was a, basically a planes. So as they were being charged, they basically got mowed down on mm-hmm. horseback. Yeah, it was uh, quite brutal. Not surprisingly, yes. of those 600 soldiers, most of them didn't make it back. <laughs> or... They didn't make it back, or they were very grievously injured. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, and um, it, but yeah, they were... it, no, no, you carry on, you carry on. I was just going <laughs> to say, it's considered such a big faux pas, military-wise, that according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, this is a quote, uh, military historians yep. and strategists, strategists, I can't talk tonight, strategists, continue to study the attack to underscore the importance of military intelligence and a clear chain of command and communication. Because like mm-hmm. Russ said, they, somehow the chain of command got messed up, communication got messed up, and the Light Brigade was given the wrong order. And, and, like, and like Heather said, uh, a majority of them uh, were injured or killed during mm-hmm. that time. Uh, they did actually get to the artillery setup and they managed to scatter some of the the gunners that were there, but 
were there for minutes before they had to retreat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it ended very high British casualties, casual casualties. I can't speak either. And uh, no real gain. Um, they didn't get the weapons that they were originally aiming for, and they lost uh, a, lot a lot of, of soldiers people. and and a lot of um, horses as well. Um, I've got I've got some numbers here. Um, there are. Um, Killed and missing, uh, about 10 officers, 15 sergeants, four trumpeteers, and about 130 rank and sort of file. Uh, so a, a total of 150 killed and missing. And then there's another 122 who are wounded uh, significantly. And so it's uh, just under 300, which is about half of the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the infantry, and then about 335 horses uh, were killed uh, or uh, killed in action or soon after from the wounds that they took from the from the infantry. Yeah. yeah. And the, of course, there were also some people captured and things like yes. that and all of the horses, like he said, they were lost, which also is a uh, huge loss because the military spends a lot of money training those horses. Yes, um, probably put more money into the horses than they do the, the infantry, which is... Yeah, which is unfortunate. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, so the aftermath, uh, the brigade was not completely destroyed, but it did suffer ter- uh, terribly with uh, uh, about 60 taken prisoner on top of all of that. After regrouping, only 195 men were still with horses. Uh, and the futility of the action and its reckless bravery prompted the French Marshal Pierre Bosquet to state this magnifique mais n'est It is magnificent, but it is not war. Uh, he continued, uh, in a rarely quoted phrase, uh, it is madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I absolutely can see, see that. Right. Um, so... Yeah. Um, and there were survivors. Yeah. Um, a lot of them docu. They were prompted by some, you know, military historians to sort of um, document what had happened. So we do have, you know, actual excerpts from some of their diaries and their accounts of what happened during the charge. Um, one of them from Captain Godfrey Morgan. Uh, He was one of the survivors. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the first little paragraph. The first shell burst in the air about 100 yards in front of us. The next one dropped in front of Nolan's horse and exploded on touching the ground. He uttered a wild yell as his horse turned round, and with his arms extended, the reins dropped on the animal's neck. He trotted towards us, but in a few yards dropped dead off his horse. I do not imagine that anybody except those in the front line of the 17th Lancers saw what had happened. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the light was faced with a withering fire from three sides, which devastated their force uh, on the ride. Yet they were able to engage with the Russian forces uh, and at the end of the valley briefly. Uh uh, before being forced um, to retreat, and they suffered um, heavy heavy casualties and mm-hmm. were and had to uh, retire very very quickly. Uh, the surviving Russian uh, the surviving Russian artillerymen returned their guns and open fire open fire with grape shot and canister shot indiscriminately at uh, the melee of friend or foe before them. 
Correct. And like I said, there's a lot of different articles. There's a lot of different uh, first person accounts of what happened that you can look up if you're interested in those. Um, obviously, you know, as the excerpt that I read shows, there's going to be a lot of talk of death and comrades falling. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons that we wanted to cover this, it's a kind of random timing since it happened in October and we're covering it in, yes. you know, late November, early December. Um, but here in America, <laughs> for anyone who's not an American listener, we have a holiday called Thanksgiving. Um, obviously, from a historical perspective, it is, at least in theory, supposed to remember the first sort of feast shared between the Native Americans and the pilgrims um, that were sort of the founders of the U.S. Um, nowadays, it's more focused on getting together with family and the the idea behind it, the sentimental idea behind it, that's not just the industry trying to sell turkeys, is that uh, you are supposed to give thanks for what you have and for the things that you appreciate in your life. So, for instance, a lot of people will have a tradition of, you know, going around the table and saying, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my new job. I'm, you know, I'm thankful for blah, 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 whatever it's going to be. Um. Now, the reason this was pertinent is because I happened to see a music video recently um, by a rock band where if any of you like rock music, you might enjoy it. It's called Five Finger Death Punch, Wrong Side of Heaven. And it's the music video focuses very heavily, very, very heavily on what happens to people who are in the military after they get out of service. Yeah. Um, specifically uh, how they're not always taken care of very well. Yeah, um, well, I, we were talking about this briefly as we were looking through things. Uh, while I don't really know too much about military treatment and all that kind of thing, uh, the the way that um, people are treated after they've left leave the military, especially if they have uh, shell shock or any kind of PTSD, PTSD uh, is quite abysmal from mm -hmm. what I've read. Um, obviously, you'll probably have a better a broader sort of understanding of that but as far as i can tell it's it's pretty terrible actually yeah i, I will say here in the u.s things are slowly improving but in general mm. um mental health and mental well-being especially for people who are in any sort of a military or um first responder type position it's not always handled as well as it should be I have a very close friend from college who is my age, so he's only 37, and he is already a retired police officer and has been a retired police officer since we were in our mid-20s because he was in a shootout and his department royally messed up his aftercare in terms oh, wow. of what they should have done to ensure his mental health. It was not handled correctly. In any way, shape, or form, he went to a therapist to talk about it for like a week. Oh yeah, because that's going to be sufficient mm -hmm. for yeah. that kind of trauma. Yeah, there, I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of police officers who never end up in a shootout. He'd been on the job for a month. He wasn't even fully trained and off on his own, and he ended up in a shootout. Um, so, understandably, that messed with his head a little bit. It wasn't handled well, and the aftermath is that. He has, you know, PTSD and other issues. Uh, obviously, I'm not naming names or anything no, for various reasons. But um, he's in a much better place now, but it took years. 
yeah, it's a, that, that was a uh, that's over a decade ago now, mm-hmm. and it it wasn't the 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 mental health departments um, and like therapy and like counselling and therapy helped, or even if if it did help, he had to search out himself and not have it provided to him mm-hmm. just because. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's just one like personal example I have of how. Unfortunately, there is a mindset, especially in more sort of stereotypically alpha male dominated fields that is very focused on um, if you have any sort of, men, uh, you know, mental illness, that means you're weak and they don't want to be Which, weak. So they refuse to admit they have it. They don't seek help, things like that. In his case, he would have uh, sought the help, but his department basically was like, yeah, you're good. You're cleared. Uh, it's very, very much a toxic masculinity kind of thing. I'm not mm-hmm. saying your friend has that, but um, just uh, in in general, um, it's it's really rough on people, especially in kind of emergency services, because they do traumatic things every each and every day, especially like firefighters going into buildings to save people. Yeah, and 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 again, soldiers in wars uh, trying to protect what they believe in, whether whether we you know, think the military is a, is a good thing or not, that's that's beside the point. They should be treated with respect and have the care that they need to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, this is a big digression, but the, the reason that that particular song and the music video talking about, you yes. know, showing soldiers with mental health issues um, made me think is because it was near Thanksgiving. And while I am not necessarily a hugely pro-military person, I do very much support and respect the individual soldiers who risk Mm. their lives to protect each other, to protect innocents in war-torn countries, to protect us when the need is there. Like, I do very much respect them, even if I don't necessarily love the military institution. Um, yeah, and that's totally fair. Yeah. That being said, that particular music video made me think of one of my favorite poems by one of my favorite poets, Rudyard Kipling, which is called The Last of the Light Brigade. Okay. Um, well, we should definitely read that. We should probably read The Charge of the Light Brigade, mm-hmm. which is, it's a rebuttal to it. But we're because of that lovely uh, lovely diversion, uh, we're at sort of good time for our, for our uh, mid roll. So I think we can cover both of those in the next half, and that would be a really decent thing. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, we're going to jump into the mid roll. We've not done this in forever, so we'll see how it goes, I guess. <laughs> and we'll be back with uh, with the poems in in just a minute. Alrighty, everyone, welcome to the mid roll. Haven't done this in a while, so. Yeah. I want to start off by talking about the amazing, the wonderful World Anvil. Now, for anyone who hasn't checked out World Anvil, I definitely recommend that you do. It is a world building and campaign management software that is perfect for authors who are trying to flesh out their worlds for their readers or for game masters who want to sort of build up the world and the campaign setting that they've created for their players. Either way, it's got amazing features. You can link places to people and vice versa. You can link people to each other. You can make maps. You can make historical timelines. So whether it's a 
story that your players are trying to keep track of or whether it's a timeline of a world and a country that you've created for your world that you want your readers to be able to piece together and figure out what's going on. Either way, it's an amazing tool. We definitely recommend you check it out. That's worldanvil.com. You can sign up for free. And then if you like what they are offering and you want to get some of the paid features, then at that point you can sign up for a paid membership and they have a bunch of different levels available. That's worldanvil.com. All right. Uh, the other people that we uh, work with uh, quite closely are the fine folks over at uh, Die Hard Dice. So it's been a while since we've talked about them, so we're going to go over some of their cool things. They've got uh, amazing metal dice, which they've had their, they created their own molds four years ago at this mm-hmm. point, about three years now. Uh, and they've branched out into their polymer sets, which uh, have, uh, and then they have their sort of steam sets, uh, like their Spellwinder dice, which multi- which have multicolored um, sort of uh, designs in them. Their multi-class series, which uh, separate uh, and sort of click back together, so you can have d- two different sides of the dice. They've also got uh, Fireforge, which is apparently dice mm-hmm. uh, for us, uh, which I didn't know about. That's really cool. Uh, um, are they they're metal polymer, or they? but they oh, made it look metal. Oh, they're metal. Oh, that's so... Yeah, okay. Um, sorry, I've just been shown a picture. I wasn't shown this before because, uh, well, I've been out the loop for a little bit. Forge so, fire. Uh, yeah, we've we've got Nerdsmith dice. We got Nerdsmith dice. They've got the orange for for Nerdsmith, and they they've they've got a really nice um, shimmery um, sort of gun almost, metal gray um, metal like yeah. Uh, and like uh, sort of rounded, uh, rounded off corners, like triangled corners. So and they they, they look really cool. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I, I just completely got um, thrown off with these. These look amazing. Uh, I really like the I, I the orange really uh, really stands out. Okay, other things. Uh, they have uh, their amazing accessories like their pop-up dice trays, their squad of rolling, uh, which holds multiple dice sets, and they've got uh, their little meeple, their little uh, metal meeple token for TT, no, not TTRPGs, just but regular board games like Catan and uh, Close Encounters, uh, uh, Cosmic Encounters, or other games, so many other games that use them. Um, they have uh, some Kyber dice, which are Star Wars themed, both light and dark side. They've got so many things and they're always producing new things. And if you go over there and use the code NERDSMITH, uh, they you can get 10% off your first or your next order with them. They have free shipping uh, for you domestic folks in America land. <laughs> and then um, discounted shipping for the rest of the world. And I, I am absolutely going to you know, open up a page. For <laughs> they're, so pretty. they're so they're pretty. They're so pretty. Oh wow! I didn't even realize. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, when did these come out? Are, are they these, they like, are very, fairly very new. new. Um, the Forge Fire Nerdsmith um, collaboration with Die Hard Dice. They've been out for I want to say maybe a month. It is a limited run. Um, okay. Any of their special oh, colorways wow. that they've done with some of their affiliates. There's only a handful of affiliates they did this with. But for all of them, it is a special um, colorway that they have at least currently limited runs of. Um, depending on how popular some of the colorways are, they might do more later if they haven't decided 100% is my understanding. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, also, I know they worked recently mm-hmm. with Ginny D. Uh 
uh, another great content creator for making her calendar dice. So yeah, uh, you can definitely go and support your some of your creators that you probably already follow. Because if you if you follow us, you absolutely follow other <laughs> nerdy people and other, and other TTR RPG stuff. We we talk about dice and nerdy things and also war apparently. Oh, they're so gorgeous. Oh, wow. sorry, I've just been totally thrown <laughs> off. <laughs> oh dear. So yes, uh, please go check him out at uh, CastleDieHard at DieHardDice.com. You can find so many cool uh, dice and other things there, including our dice if you want to get those. Um, if you don't, that's fine. Uh, I guess uh, orange isn't of an appealing colour for everyone, but I, I think I think that actually looks very cool. I, mm-hmm. I'm very happy with those. <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, with all that being said, I guess we're going to get back into the, the episode. So... Okay, we survived our mid-roll, we, we got through it, and now we have a couple of poems to read. Uh, as yours is the, as you mm-hmm. would like the last of the Light Brigade, I think it makes sense if you read that one and I Sounds read the good. first one, so we both, you know, have taken things. So, uh, let me just pull it up, because I have it here. And this is written by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Uh, and it's the Child of the Light Brigade. <clears throat> half a league, half a league, half a league onward, all in the Valley of Death. Rode the 600 forward, the light brigades charged for the guns, he said. Into the valley of death rode the 600. Forward, the light brigade. Was uh, the man dismayed? Not through the, uh, not though the soldier knew someone had blundered. There's not to make reply, there's not to reason why. There's but to do and die. Into the valley of death rode the 600. Cannon to the left, uh, cannon to the right of them, cannon to the left of them, cannon in front of them, volleyed and thundered, storming at uh, with shot and shell. Boldly they rolled and well, into the jaws of death, into the mouth of hell rode the six hundred. Flashed all their sabers bare, flashed as they turned in air, saber sabering the gunners there, charging an army wall, while all the world wondered. Uh, plunged into in the battery smoke, right through the line they broke. Uh, Cossack and Russian uh, reeled from the saber stroke, shattered and sundered. Then they rode back, but not the six hundred. Cannon to the right of them, cannon to the left of them, cannon behind them. Volley and thundered, stormed at with shell, shot and shell. While horse and hero fell, they that had fought so well came through the jaws of death uh, back from the mouth of hell all that was left of them left of the 600 when can their glory fade oh the wild charge they made all the while all the world wondered honor the charge they made honor the light brigade noble 600 so yeah uh, covers uh, sort of things we've already sort of spoke about in the fact that it was not the original plan, and somebody messed up and mm-hmm. sent six hundred people to their death, and not everyone, not all of them died, but it was it was entirely possible for people running at the cannons to just get shredded, like most mm-hmm. of them did. Yeah, he um, he wrote it then, after, of course, the newspapers had printed information about it. Um, uh, about six weeks yeah, later, I think, is what right. I read. Yeah, and then uh, about it was thirty-five or so years later, this um, this one's uh, the rebuttal is put out. I think. Um, I, I think believe so. I well, let me double check the publishing date. 
yeah, oh, 36, 36 years, years later, later uh, 1890. So uh, yeah. this one's longer. <laughs> Fair warning to everyone. Yes. I mean, it's, it's not, uh, it looks long, but That's it's not true. as long as it looks. So um, I as I said, this one is by Rudyard Kipling, one of my favorite poets, but he, his poem, he tended to, in both his poems, well, not all of his poems, but a lot of his poems and also in a lot of his books and stories, he, a lot of them uh, sort of poked fun at the British elite and the Imperials and the people who had a lot of money. So it talked, they often were somewhat satirical and talked about sort of social commentary type subjects. So, <clears throat> The Last of the Light Brigade by Rudyard Kipling. There were 30 million English who talked of England's might. There were 20 broken troopers who lacked a bed for the night. They had neither food nor money. They had neither service nor trade. They were only shiftless soldiers, the last of the light brigade. They felt that life was fleeting. They knew not that art was long, that though they were dying of famine, they lived in deathless song. They asked for a little money to keep the wolf from the door and the 30 million English sent 20 pounds and four. They laid their heads together that were scarred and lined and gray. Keen were the Russian sabers, but want was keener than they. And an old troop sergeant muttered, let us go to the man who writes, and the things on balaclava the kiddies at schools recite. They went without bands or colors, a regiment ten file strong, to look for the master singer who had crowned them all in his song. And waiting his servant's order, by the garden gate they stayed, a desolate little cluster, the last of the light brigade. They strove to stand to attention, to straighten the toil-bowed back. They drilled on an empty stomach, the loose-knit files fell slack. With stooping of weary soldier shoulders, in garments tattered and frayed, they shambled into his presence, the last of the light brigade. The old troop sergeant was spokesman, and, begging your pardon, he said, you rode of the light brigade, sir, here's all that isn't dead. And it's all come true what you wrote, sir, regarding the mouth of hell. For we're all of us nigh to the workhouse, and we thought we'd call and tell. No, thank you, we don't want food, sir, but couldn't you take and write a sort of to be continued and see next page of the fight? We think that someone has blundered, and couldn't you tell him how? You wrote we were heroes once, sir. Please write we are starving now. The poor little army departed, limping and lean and forlorn, and the heart of the master singer grew hot with the scorn of scorn. And he wrote for them wonderful verses that swept the land like flame, till the fatted souls of the English were scourged with a thing called shame. They sent a check to the felon that sprang from an Irish bog, they healed the spavined cab horse, they housed the homeless dog, and they sent, you may call me a liar, when felon and beast were paid, a check for enough to live on, to the last of the light brigade. A thirty million English that babble of England's might, behold there were tw are twenty heroes who lack their food tonight. Our children's children are lisping to honor the charge they made, and we leave to the streets and the workhouse the Charge of the Light Brigade. Okay. Um, and yeah, so, as you said, uh, this is one of your favourite mm -hmm. poems by Kipling. Uh, and not one that I had read before we, we were talking earlier. So, um, do, do you... I suppose, uh, 
do you know how accurate it is? Uh, did they actually get it, but uh, given enough to sort of survive for the the last of the last of their, their lives, and were they actually treated well? Because that's what that's how it seems to like to go mm-hmm. at the end of it. So but. my understanding um, is that uh, he wasn't necessarily talking specifically about the light brigade. He was using things that were um, somewhat exaggerated as examples. He specifically wrote the poem um, because he was trying to evoke um, sympathy for the veterans of the Crimean War. He used the cavalrymen of the Light Brigade as a very, very well-known example. But he wasn't specifically targeting just them in, in order to help them, they happened to be the best option. Um, so it's specifically, uh, where'd it go? He used his poem to expose the terrible hardship faced in old age by veterans of the Crimean War. And like I said, he the Light Brigade yeah. being the most famous Crimean War um, elders were sort of the ones he used. Um, one thing that is interesting um, that I think is very sort of telling of how people responded to things like this back then is that uh, Tennyson's poem, the first one that we read, the one that Russ read, um, was very strongly yeah. received. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, it's a fairly famous poem. Um like I said, uh, out of everything that we like, we were talking about prior, this is that that mm-hmm. is the bit that I had heard about, uh, specifically the title. So uh, I might have read it at some point, but what that might have been a while ago, and I can't yeah. remember. Um, it is something where uh, he his poem because it talked about how like wonderful the light brigade was. You know, in in Kipling's poem, he mentions. Uh, specifically his second to last line, our children's children are lisping to honor the charge they made. What that's referring to, and also earlier in the poem where he talks about the um, the troop sergeant asking him to, or talking about going to the man who writes the things on balaclava, um, the kiddies at school recites. So what he's referring to is the fact that, especially back then, during that time frame in like the um, late 1800s, early 1900s, it wasn't uncommon for a a method of sort of teaching children to read and recite and or um, enunciate as well as sometimes history was to use poems or short stories that were specifically uh, used for that purpose. And the Tennyson poem is not horribly long and there's not very many complicated words. So it is something where, you know, it would be an easy way to teach the children about the Light Brigade. Uh, yeah, because um, talking about everything in super detail for younger kids is probably mm-hmm. not amazing, like, not best because, you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing to, to hear about, and, but it is important. Up here. Um, right, I'm just going through the thing, but I think 
I don't. There isn't. There isn't too much more to cover. No, I mean, I, um, I like I've said already. I love the poem, "The Last of the Light Brigade." I, I enjoy poetry in general. I am very much one of those people who prefers poetry that rhymes. It is my own personal preference. You don't have to agree with me. Um, but along those same lines, this one is also very, very um, evocative of, uh, it, it's very vivid imagery. You, The way he wrote, yeah. wrote it, you can picture these old, weary, beaten soldiers who aren't even necessarily asking for a handout. They're just asking him to make people aware of their situation. Um, I should have... Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, that while they might not be asking for a hand at, uh, in any sort of regard, they they still fought and died. And some of them, a lot of them died for, this, uh, for their country. And they should be helped and cared for after that, especially when they're at a pension age at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, I was just going to mention actually also, so if you find a publication of The Last of the Light Brigade by Kipling, um, the second to last verse, the one where it talks about they sent a check to the felon that sprang from an Irish bog, that particular verse is not Mm -hmm. always included in later publications. It was in his original publication in the St. James Gazette, but uh, it's not usually in the collected versions later. So when he, you're talking about a book of Kipling poetry, they often don't include that particular para, uh, stanza. There's a couple of reasons. One is because it is a little racist. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they sent a check to the felon that sprang from an Irish bog. Basically, that's making fun of Irish people. Um, but uh, the yeah. whole that whole stanza is basically talking about how British people gave money to other um, needy causes first. So they sent a check to the felon that sprang from an Irish bog. Basically, they donated money to prisoners. They healed the spavined cab horse. Yeah. They housed the homeless dog. So they sent money to old cab horses to take care of them for uh, you know animal rescue they sent the money to help feed homeless dogs and they sent you may call me a liar when felon and beast were paid a check for enough to live on to the last of the light brigade so basically that whole stanza is talking Mm -hmm. about how even after everything even after the british felt shame as a per his previous verses uh, for what they had done to these soldiers and ignoring them, they still donated money to felons, dogs, and horses before they did to the human to the soldiers. I don't know. It, I I like that particular italicized verse, even though it's not always left in. It makes me think very much of how nowadays there's a lot of um, sort of short term, like quote unquote. It causes, like, it, because we have so much social media and there's so many trends and everything that'll go on online, you'll have periods of time where a particular charity or cause is like everyone's focus because it's the popular one at the moment. Um, like the ice bucket challenge. Yeah. Mm. 
for the for um ALS. ALS. Yeah. ALS, I think. Dyslexia is great for that. Yeah. So that's a perfect example because the actual challenge that went viral that was associated with it um, was, I mean, kind of ridiculous. But also it went completely viral and just insanely crazy. But at the same time, some of the people that were doing it weren't donating money. So it was, you know, popular. Mm. So people talked about it. But... But it didn't really help anything. Or, or it didn't yeah. help as I'm, much I'm as sure a lot of the celebrities else. who did it donated, you know, at least reasonable chunks of money. But, yeah. yeah. Things like that. There's a lot of sort of flash in the pan, it's fancy and everyone loves it right now causes that people donate to or talk about. And then once it's not popular anymore, it just disappears. Yeah. I mean... I'm trying to think of some, but uh, my mind's going blank. Well, I mean, um, the ice bucket challenge is obviously a very, very obvious one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, there was, there was, there's been a few in sort of recent years as well. Um, and I can't remember. Uh, that's kind of illustrating mm-hmm. the point, isn't it? I suppose. I mean, things cycle. Mm-hmm. Sure. I was reading through it and I thought there was something said about they put up a memorial for it uh, on the 150th anniversary. Yes, here it is. In 2004, on the 150th anniversary of the charge, a commemoration of the event was held at Balaclava uh, and as part of the anniversary, a monument dedicated to the 25,000 British participants of the conflict was unveiled by Prince Michael of Kent. Mm. That's the one I was looking for. Uh, that's the latest thing in regards to, obviously, anniversaries and things that have happened with it. Um, and I feel like that's probably the best thing to, to mention, just for, just sort of wrapping up everything. Um, unless you have anything else you want to add. Nope. But, um, I don't. Okay. All right. Well, then I think we'll wrap this up now. If you want to uh, look into more about uh, the Crimean War or the Battle of Balaclava, or if you want us to cover more of it, please let us know. That might be fun. Um, we will probably have <laughs> some festive things coming up over the next couple of weeks if we if we can think of things and get our minds in order that'd be great um thank you for listening I, we know we've been away for a little bit um yeah uh that's about all i have to say apart from uh don't forget to geek us get geek day self <laughs> yeah all right, bye everyone all right. good night bye Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. <laughs>